Our second lesson tonight comes from the Gospel according to Luke. It's the familiar story from Luke 2 of the birth of Jesus. Let's listen again as if we're hearing it for the first time. The word of the Lord. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom God favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. And while they saw, when they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them, but Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard as it had been told them. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. So we pretty much know the story, right? It's about Mary and Joseph and this directive to go to Bethlehem. They go and Mary's pregnant and the child is born and Mary wraps him in bands of cloth or as the King James says, swaddling clothes and lays him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. We pretty much know the story, don't we? There were shepherds in the field tending their sheep and the angel appeared to them and said, glory to God in the highest. Do not be afraid, this is happening. A Savior has been born, the Messiah, the Lord. Go and see. We pretty much know the story, don't we? The angels sing glory to God in the highest, and they go off to Bethlehem. This great story is what brings us to this sanctuary tonight. We come and we sing and we pray and we gather around the Lord's table and we light candles. We join our hearts, we join our voices with all those who have 
come into this same space across all the generations. We join our lives seeking to affirm that God is at work. God is real. God knows us and cares about us. God is continually calling us to this good news and to live it out with our lives. We pretty much know the story. We've heard it many times. The real question, and this is the question for this night, how do we respond to this story? How do we respond this night, this week, this month, to this great story? We're all here, all of us, already responding in some ways, in some good ways. We've shown up in the middle of the night almost in downtown Richmond for this worship service. That's a good response to start anyway. We're singing. We're lighting candles around the Advent wreath. We're offering our prayers. We're seeking some faithful response. This is good. But what about after tonight? What about as we depart from this place and As we move into this week, what about as we depart from one another this week, as our families go back to where they live and we move on into our own lives? How do we respond then? And then what about next week or the week after that when we move into winter, when we get engaged again in the fullness of our lives, whatever that might be? How do we respond to this story then? And then what about the month after that when this story is kind of fading more and more away from us? What will our response be then? You know, this story begins with the emperor's folly. The text says a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. That decree from the emperor set this whole great story in motion. Joseph, along with Mary, had to go to Bethlehem because that was his hometown. Augustus and his governor, Quirinius, with this certain act of power, were putting into motion something that would absolutely transcend all earthly power. Maybe as we move into the new year, as we move into winter, as we move further and further from this Christmas, we might respond to this story by remembering that politics and power issues, however they might emerge in our lives, are always transcended by what God is doing. I think we often forget that, especially when partisan bickering dominates the news especially when wars and unrest stretch across our globe, especially when Occupy movements, wherever they are, make us wonder who to trust and who to listen to, especially with other things that come our way. One response to this story from each of us might be to remember well how God always transcends life And politics, just as God does in this story. Politics and partisan issues, cultures, complexities might get our attention, might even create anxiety for us, but God is always at work. 
That's one of the main messages of this story. God is always at work even doing new things. And we often don't see it. That's perhaps one response of this story that we can carry forward, remembering no matter what we're dealing with or what the world is dealing with, God is God and God is always at work and our lives belong to God. That's good news, at least to me, this night. Another response from our lives involves a word that's very prominent in this text. The word glory. Glory is not a word that permeates around our current culture, is it? I read this week that the word pragmatic is the top word for 2011. That is according to Merriam and Webster's online dictionary. Pragmatic, you see, was looked up and used and reviewed more than any other word in this whole year. Now, pragmatic is a good word, but pragmatic is a lot different from glory. Glory emerges in this text from a Greek word, doxazo, uh, which means to honor, to extol. And glory is used mostly related to God. Glory means to turn to God, to look to God, and be filled with awe. Glory emerges whenever God has done something very impressive. So when the angels appear on to the shepherds in the fields, it says the glory of the Lord shone all around them. That means that this was an awe-filled moment on the hillside, in the middle of the night even. It was not pragmatic. It was majestic, fantastic, filled with awe, most amazing. Glory emerges when things are most amazing, filled with awe. Glory is used in the Bible in other places when people are healed. When sins are forgiven, when the lame walk, when the deaf hear, when life is filled with God and what God intends, wholeness, that's when glory emerges. It is the most comprehensive term when people are totally wowed by what God is doing. What if our response to this simple and beautiful great story was also sincere glory to God in the highest from each of us. Well, we hear the angels' words, glory to God in the highest. We even sing them. We know them. But what if our response to this story was to leave this magical night and seek to live lives that indeed brought glory to God? Some of you have been around long enough to recall the shorter catechism which helped us learn the Christian faith. The first and most important question in the Shorter Catechism asks this, what is the chief end of man? Or in more contemporary language, what is the greatest purpose of human life? And the answer, according to the Catechism, is to glorify God and enjoy God forever. That would mean that we live our lives in ways that reflect the power the presence, the possibilities of God in every moment that we have. That would mean that we would honor God and extol God by how we treat those who are most near us, 
but how we relate to those all around us. That would mean our priorities, our values, our time, our money would all go toward the things that God cares the most about. That's what it would be to glorify God and enjoy God forever in our daily life, bringing joy and justice, bringing hope and light everywhere. What if we responded to this story by living like that? God comes to bring good news of great joy for all people, the angels say. Are our lives about that? Could they be more about that? God comes to forgive sins and save people from oppression and injustice to help the blind see and the deaf hear. Are our lives about that? Couldn't they be more about that? Spreading peace and love on the streets of Richmond. Spreading hope and light around our communities, wherever we find ourselves. Then, when the angels departed from the shepherds, the story says the shepherds went to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened which the Lord had made known. Jesus hasn't even spoken a word in this gospel. He's still laying in the manger. But already, these disciples are moving toward action as followers. They're not hanging out on the hillsides anymore. They're up, going. This is another model of our response, perhaps, to this great story from sitting to action, from watching in fear to walking in faith, from tending sheep to telling others about all this that's happening. God is doing something very great in this story, coming into the world, engaging hearts, giving hope and purpose to all of us. We can't just sit around and marvel at it. We can't simply come to worship tonight. This action of God coming, of angels singing and glory all around invites us. In fact, it expects us, demands from us that we get up and follow and be involved in this. Get up and be part of the solution that God is bringing into the world. Get up and get engaged in the new life, the kingdom life. That God is about. What might you do? What might I do to move toward Bethlehem like these shepherds? What might you do? What might I do in faithful response to God's amazing coming? We're called off the hillside to discipleship, all of us. It's like the old saying goes, Christ is really not born until Christ is born anew in each of us, in our hearts, such that our lives take on a different course, a course that involves the kind of things that God cares about, loving and serving and bringing peace and light to the whole world. There's one more response in this story that deserves some attention, yet another consideration of how we might respond to Christmas. The story ends with Mary and it says, Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. Pragmatic might be the word of the year. Ponder might be a word that really is appropriate for all of us, too. 
to encourage us in faith. Ponder, you see, as you know, means to take the words into our hearts, into our lives, to let them seep into our souls, to breathe deep this story into our spirits. That's what ponder means. Ponder means to wonder quietly and sincerely how this story really touches you. Ponder means to allow the doubts that you're carrying around to be intersected with the faith that's there. Ponder means to let those questions that you are carrying around percolate up and find engagement in ways that's helpful to you and to God. Perhaps all of us in this frenetic and frenzied world that we live in could benefit more from pondering from the sincere absorbing of this news so that, as it did for Mary, we can become agents, instruments of God, important to the whole world for God's work. Finally, this is such a great story, and it's great because it depicts the powerful truth. God, the God of the universe, comes among us, friends. We're part of something far greater than ourselves. We belong to something far more important than whatever it is we're dealing with. God. We belong to God who not only created the world and knows us by name, we belong to God who calls us to life and purpose in Jesus Christ, purposes beyond ourselves to live for the glory of God, to become all that God would have us be. May this great story tonight speak to our hearts, give us depth and perspective and engage us so that we can find focus and purpose to live life with and for God in all the days ahead. This is our calling. All glory and honor, thanks and praise be to God. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, come among us afresh. Move us to deeper faith and deeper lives of devotion and service following Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The good news of Christmas, the light and joy and peace and love that Christ comes among us. That is all free, gracious, for us and for the world. We're invited to respond as an act of worship. Let us now worship God with uh, our Christmas offering.